In the world of learning, um, it is important to be very open to the diversity styles of how people learn, how people actually get things done, what people, how people see things. And so as L&D professionals, if you can actually use ERGs, BRG communities as focus groups for feedback within your trainings and to push down to the next layer or level of employees that you could not get through through your emails or your marketing campaigns to trainings that you want the, an organization to adopt. The ERGs bring great perspectives from their memberships, unique standpoints and, and it's a perspective that doesn't always come naturally for others that may not live live and breathe in in that world well i i see the benefits are limitless so for me as a member as of several adps uh, brgs it gives me the opportunity as a member to pilot tests get in early on on programs and because we're global man the network has been a fantastic and wonderful resource those are my guests for this episode of ERG Power Talk on the benefit of the partnership between learning and development and ERGs. In this two-part, three-interview episode, we will explore the value of this partnership and how to create and maintain the most productive relationships between these two groups. That and more coming up, but first, this. This is ERG Power Talk, and I'm your host, Joe Santana. The purpose of ERG Power Talk is to provide a forum for the exchange of great ideas and inspiration for ERG leaders, as well as others that are interested in supporting ERGs. No more waiting until the next conference and praying that you have the budget to travel to the conference in order to find great ideas and find stimulation toward action. Just subscribe and listen at your convenience. Before we begin, a quick note of thanks to our supporters and sponsors. Atrium Health, Fredert Health and Wisconsin Medical College, Mass Mutual, Lockheed Martin, Avenod, Daimler Trucks North America, and Sony Pictures Entertainment. Now, let's go straight to the program. Imagine yourself getting an offer for a great promotion from someone you encountered during an ERG project. That's actually one of the stories you will hear from one of my three guests on this episode of ERG Power Talk. In this episode, we will focus on the synergy and the power resulting from partnering your ERG with your company's learning and development team leaders. The purpose of these corporate learning teams is to ensure that company employees regularly upgrade their knowledge and expertise in all their fields. All learning and development teams focus on training and developing various levels of employees, from individual contributors all the way up through managers and executives. Executives. Depending on the organization, these groups may also have a say on developing the processes used to manage performance and determining who is considered a high potential in your organization. Also, while learning and development teams are usually a subset of HR, they may in whole or part be located in other areas of your organization. But regardless of these details, one thing is for sure. Learning and development teams and their leaders are excellent partners for you and your ERGs. To explore this further, let's go to the first of our three guests for today. Our first guest for this first half of the program has had a bird's eye view of the benefits of the partnership between learning and development and ERGs. For several years, he actually operated with one foot in the world of training and development and the other foot firmly planted inside the world of diversity and ERGs. 
Hello, I'm Theo Bolin, a diversity manager for Home Improvement Company. Hi, Theo. Thanks for joining me again on ERG Power Talk. So, uh, Theo, tell us a little bit about yourself and your career for our listeners. Yeah, so I've been in learning and development and diversity inclusion for about eight years. And so I've had a passion around developing others uh, and really helping people reach their potential. I think the, the difference of how I take the L&D part and the D&I part is I say, how do I help identify people's diverse talents? And then how do I activate them by including them in inclusive activities and projects? By putting those two things together, I am able to help ERG leaders, employees to really reach their career goals and objectives. And so that's really been a lot of what my eight years in L&D and d I have really been. And uh, it's probably been one of the most uh, fulfilling type of roles and leadership roles that I've, I've had in my career. That's an interesting career blend, pulling together both the L&D and the diversity piece. How did you come about doing that? Yeah, so I actually goes back to another company I was with for a while. And I started out in the service industry. And so uh, from service, I really got a front row seat to seeing how do you interact with customers? How do you interact with your peers? How, what does it look like externally and internally? And from that, I really kind of grew a love of like, okay, how do I help people understand how things work, right? That's kind of the teaching side, uh, learning side of it. But then the other, other aspect of it as I was going through learning and teaching is everyone learns differently. Everyone can do things differently, but still can obtain a result or goal that we want them to have. And I think through the service experience, I was an operations manager as, as well. It really helped me understand how those two come together. Um, and as much as I was in learning development and de- uh, diversity inclusion for a while, it was really actually the other jobs of operations and service as a manager and as an employee that really helped me understand how to bring those two together. And so to your point, my journey of, of how I really, I would say, got the most out of being a, a learning development professional and d professional came from the foundation of my, my work as a, as a uh, service and operational leader. So Theo, we know each other for a while. I've interviewed you before, and I know you've done some amazing things with your ERGs. Can you share one story with us? So a uh, story uh, that, I, that I really hold on dearly is I partnered with an ERG team. This was a, a mix of actually ERG leaders across different communities on a hire and fair project. This was at a prior company where we had a goal to meet based on the state uh, where you know they needed to ultimately reach a certain headcount. And so pull together a bunch of leaders, chairs from the different ERGs, we get into a room and we say, here's the goal. We're running lean. I need your help. And so look around. We put together this amazing team. And in 60 days, on top of the job that they already had to do day to day, we created a project plan to roll out with a $2,500 budget, a hiring fair for the company. We were expecting about 300, maybe 300 to 400 people. And again, this is only $2,500 budget, but through the creativity of some of our marketing chairs, through the leadership and talents of some of our our chairs and co-chairs, when we got there that day, it was a Monday, there was a thousand people that showed up for the hiring fair, a thousand people in three hours. And so literally in three hours, we brought a thousand people without uh, publicizing it uh, through the normal means that the company would, but we did it through grassroots marketing. And so we literally helped the company meet their hiring goal. 
And I will say this was probably one of the, the most special projects I've ever done with ERG leaders uh, in my career. Uh, we over-delivered, met the goal. That, that was a, a great opportunity. Wow. That's amazing. And how many hires did you make? So we actually took about, uh, about 100 uh, in our location. Uh, and then we actually used the same framework in our San Diego office. So instead of paying someone or outside company, we actually took what worked for us and then actually duplicated it in San Diego. So that was, uh, was an amazing thing. In fact, that we saved the company uh, plenty of money. I'm sure that was a lot of money. If you just take the original project that you just told me about for $2,500 and you hired 100 people, that's $25 per person. That's absolutely fantastic. Oh, yeah, that, that and the fact that we created a pipeline. That is pretty impressive, Theo. And there was another program that you ran with your ERGs also that I recall you telling me about a while back that involved finding their strengths. Yeah, so this, this was a little bit diff of a different partnership, right? So usually we have the ERG chairs uh, volunteering their time to support the community or maybe to support the business, but this was really a give back. This was all about how do we partner with leaders to help them identify their talents, to then understand their talents, and then to maximize their talents. And so I created a program to partner with the leaders uh, in which we created kind of a mentee uh, relationship with other leaders to coach each ERG chair on what their strengths are, how they can use it within the business and personally, and then give them the opportunities to make it shine. And so I created a six-month program to do that, and that became uh, extremely successful, three years running. In fact, many leaders were able to leverage that in their developmental plans and within their goals within the business. And so it became a huge hit. In fact, it poured over into the business because they heard so much success about it, they wanted more of it, and actually we wound up uh, growing bigger than we ever even imagined. So that was a huge, uh, th that program became a huge catalyst to helping our leaders understand their talents, but not just understand it, but how do you use it? Got it. And as I remember, you based this program on the Gallup Strength Finders? Yeah, Gallup Strength Finders 2.0. Um, they, uh, Marcus Beckham has had some stuff that supports all these different things. But yeah, Gallup uh, Strength Finders 2.0, uh, we, we were able to create our own framework and structured program. But within that framework of that program, we're able to take all the ERG leaders in all communities, that's chair, co-chair, marketing chair, give them their own personal coach with a development plan on each of their top five strengths to ultimately get results. And once we did it year one, year two increased, year three increased, and all of a sudden we have an entire program around bringing the best out of our leaders. If you're gonna, as an ERG leader, if you're going to give in to the company and the community, it's important for us to give back to you. And that was a way of doing it. How do we make sure that we help you understand the power of talent that you have inside of you? That's great, Theo. And you know, I know you've also done some work in terms of supporting succession planning. So a lot of organizations really pay a lot of attention to that upper level group that they've got earmarked for various roles, but they don't really pay that much attention to the feeders for that group. And I know that you've done some stuff in that area. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so great question. I would say this, we talk a lot about succession planning. Right. And I know when we talk about succession planning, um, a lot of it deals with what does our pipeline look like? Um, what I nicknamed it was uh, where I worked was a junior pipeline. 
And so ultimately what this gave us was this gave, gave us a very sharp view of what does our junior pipeline talent look like. This allowed L&D to understand what do we have, who is performing, how are they performing, what does it look like. It's one thing to read it on paper, but it's another thing to witness it for yourself. And so this gave L&D and us the opportunity to say, we know what type of talent we have. And so when it comes to the type of programs and trainings that we want to go ahead and deliver or we want to pour out, we're able to kind of connect the right trainings to the right skills and talents that we have within the business through our leaders. And this all of a sudden helps us right, get a really better return on the actual trainings that our leaders are doing. And so we, we, we did it with, um, there was a meetings efficiency piece where we actually brought in ERG leaders with the L&D team. And so the L&D team was looking for leaders to say, how can we increase their skill set around efficiency? Um, how do we make sure that they are able to show up well and ultimately reach the goal of the meeting? So we brought the leaders in, trained them up, and then basically sent them back out where not only did they, did they use that particular skill on call from the L&D team, but they actually used it within their own respective teams and created efficiencies for the business. And so I think that, that was huge in the fact that it was no longer just putting a training out there for, for anyone to say, hey, we think you should do it or use it. But they found a highly engaged, highly committed group of leaders who are willing to not just take it for the company, but to do it for the, their own respective teams. So Theo, I would imagine that that kind of activity would have a high impact effect in terms of making the employees that were members of these ERGs more engaged with the organization. Yeah. So, you know, people always say, show me the numbers, right? One of the things we were able to do was to, to measure uh, from, an, from our engagement survey, you know, are you more committed to the company? And what we found was there was an absolute increase in commitment from our specific ERG leaders. Uh, if I remember correctly, it was probably around between a five and 8% point increase uh, of commitment to the organization because of how dialed in they were with the communities, the ERG communities and with the business. And so what we found was it wasn't just them being a part of the ERG communities that helped them you know, feel part of the company. It was the interaction and the networking, right? It was the fact that we actually sought your engagement. We wanted to engage you because we understood your desire to give back and to learn and grow uh, within the company. And so uh, we were able to measure that through our engagement survey. And so we were able to say, yes, this allows us to see greater commitment from our leaders. That makes a lot of sense, Theo. And on top of that, they were also getting a, a great degree of exposure based on a few other stories that you shared with me. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I, you know, I think this is the most important part. I, I think if, if when you sign up to be an employee resource group leader or BRG leader, um, you are adding something on to your day-to-day -day job, right? So you have your day-to-day -day job that you're doing, and then you're adding on saying, okay, I'm going to help in my volunteer time lead these communities uh, do whatever we need to do. But part of that is that you got to get something out of it, right? You got to be able to get something out of this opportunity, out of this experience. And so what we found was one of the most powerful things was as you start to work on projects or different opportunities for exposure, you start to meet leaders and other people, right? And I would say the most powerful things, uh, the powerful thing I saw for our ERG leaders that they got out of it was exposure. The moment another leader who you would probably never work with in your day-to-day -day job got a chance to see you in action, it gave them a perspective and a view of you that you probably couldn't sell them on a resume. And so we saw many times that it created 
mentorship relationships, sponsorship relationships, and ultimately created opportunities for new jobs. Um, real quick story, a young man who was leading our, one of our ERGs, he, uh, he was phenomenal. He led our uh, millennial ERG. He was phenomenal at building it up. He had built a community up from, uh, I think, a, a community of about 50 to about 300. Had it working like a well-oiled machine. He was fantastic. Another leader saw him and wanted to uh, promote him to VP. It wasn't just because he was part of the ERG, but they saw how he actually built a community, which translates into how you actually grow an organization. Transferable skills. They saw, he saw him in action. And that person happened to be his sponsor. So that network, those relationships are a huge benefit as to, as they see you in action through experiential learning, uh, see you exposure through uh, projects, et cetera, it becomes a, a real um, fantastic opportunity to see that leader grow and uh, really be promoted within an organization. That's a great story, Theo. And for ERG leaders that are now listening to this and saying, wow, I want to engage uh, with that L&D group so that I can be part of those projects and have that visibility, how would you advise them to approach L&D leaders in their organizations? So uh, first, you know, I always say uh, professionally, go ahead and reach out to schedule time to talk with them, right? I think you got you to create that rapport with the leader or with some of the, the point of contact with an L&D to make sure that you, know, you have that face-to-face. -face. So schedule time to talk. Um, then share your goals about your resource group. I think the important thing is people assume that others know, not all the time. Help them connect to the vision or what you're trying to do within your community group, right? Because that gives them a sense to your leadership, your focus, and what you're trying to do, right? And all it takes is for them to kind of, I'll use the words, fall in love with what you're doing, uh, and, and it's an instant connection there. And then discuss what can you guys do to partner together? What does it look like? How can you help build a relationship, right, between what you're doing and what, what uh, L&D or your partners need or are looking for? Uh, and then last, I always say, Always talk about what uh, or convey next steps. Convey next steps and follow up to keep the relationship going. Do not let that be a one-time thing. The importance of that is they don't want to know that you just came to say hi or just to tell them what you need or what you want. This becomes a relationship that you keep going, right? Check in. Do a follow-up. See how can we continue to, to partner uh, as we go forward. And Theo, what are some tips that you have for preparing for that meeting with the L&D leader? What should the ERG leader do? Yeah, so if you're going to be meeting with a, a leader in the L&D space, um, you definitely want to do your homework. So one of the things that I used to always talk about doing is, and, and usually should be uh, public on your intranet or maybe you can find the information. If you cannot, then what you do is you, you, you go to someone on the team, right? ahead of time and you ask them, hey, what are some of the different things that you guys are working on in preparation for this meeting with the leader, right? You do your due diligence and your research. Um, you want to look at what are their goals for the year? Uh, what are some of the different things that they're responsible for? Um, what are some of the, the you know, top three, top five trainings that they're trying to push that supports the companies, whether it's a skill build, whether it's particular things that the company wants to do. Like, uh, for example, we did uh, Lean Six Sigma, uh, Lean Efficiencies, right? How, how can we understand what that is with the number you need to reach? And then how can we support that, right? After you understand what their, what their goals are as an ERG leader, talk to your leaders within the ERG community group to say, 
Let's brainstorm some things that we can do to support that. Come to the meeting with some ideas already. When you show up the leader, talk to them as if you've already kind of done your due diligence, get their input and insight, right? And then share with them how you brainstormed and talked about some of the different things they're doing. And then say, I would love to support the goals that you have for this year. What do you need? How can I help you? How can I support you to do that? And I have a team of leaders and a community behind you to help you do that. Now, here's what I'll tell you. Anytime you tell a leader, I want to make your job easier and help you reach your goals, you will see stars in their eyes. They will love that. And so do your due diligence. Talk to your leaders to brainstorm ways to support, that, to support their goals. And then when you get to the leader, make sure they understand what you've done to get to this place and then have a true real conversation about how you want to support their needs, right? Because I think when you do that, everybody wins. Everybody wins. There's enough cake for everybody. Great advice. And as a L&D leader yourself, someone who has been in that role for many years, what do you advise L&D leaders to have as an outlook when they get that email or they get that phone call inviting them uh, to meet with an ERG leader? For my L&D leaders and professionals, as they look out to the ERGs, they're saying, okay, if someone does come to me, what kind of mindset should I have? And here's what I'll say. In the world of learning, um, it is important to be very open to the diversity styles of how people learn, how people actually get things done, what people, how people see things. That is a dream, right, for L&D professionals because the innovation within the ERGs, BRG communities are amazing. And so as L&D professionals, if you can actually use them as focus groups, if you can use them as feedback, um, feed, for feedback within your trainings, and I would say most importantly, which I, which I experimented on with our L&D team, is if you can use them to push down to the next layer or level of employees that you could not get through through your emails or your marketing campaigns, your leaders are trusted. They have a trusted voice in their communities. And if you leverage them to push the trainings that you want the, an organization to adopt, they are your people. And so leverage them to grab a deeper voice of your employee base to adopt ultimately what you want them to train and learn on for the corporation. More great advice, Theo. So Theo, if people want to reach you, how do they go about doing that? Yeah, listen, if you, if you want to contact and hear more stories that I have, uh, plenty of them, you can contact me on LinkedIn, Theo Bowling, uh, as a diversity manager. Uh, look me up there. That's the best place. Please leave me a comment. Send me a message. Uh, would love to have a conversation and talk more about it. Uh, one of the things I love about being in this space is not only do we, we give, but we freely give. And so whatever I can to support you, I will. Well said, Theo. Thanks again for rejoining us here at ERG Power Talk. Absolutely. Thank you. It was an honor. So here are just a few of my takeaways from my conversation with Theo. One, learning and development and ERGs can create some impressive results when they work together. Two, these partnerships provide a great opportunity for both groups to increase their visibility. For L&D, it allows them to go deeper and wider in the organization, while ERGs are allowed to get more visibility on the senior level radar. 
Three, these partnerships also open up opportunities for greater talent mobility up and across the organization. This is something that benefits both the L&D mission as well as the goals of many of the ERG leaders and their members. One final key point that I got from listening to Theo is the need for both partners to enter into this relationship with one of Stephen Covey's key habits for effectiveness firmly in mind. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. Both parties should enter this partnership with an open mind that seeks to truly understand the needs of the other before laying out what they want for themselves. When we come back, my next two guests will offer a look at a perfect philosophy for sustaining the value of this partnership and some additional ideas on how to create these mutually beneficial and lasting partnerships between learning and development professionals and your ERGs. All this and more when we come back, but first let's pause to again acknowledge our mission and our sponsors. I'll see you on the other side. This is ERG Power Talk and I'm your host, Joe Santana. The purpose of ERG Power Talk is to provide a forum for the exchange of great ideas and inspiration for ERG leaders as well as others that are interested in supporting ERGs. No more waiting until the next conference and praying that you have the budget to travel to the conference in order to find great ideas and find stimulation toward action. Just subscribe and listen at your convenience. Before we begin, a quick note of thanks to our supporters and sponsors. Atrium Health, Fredert Health and Wisconsin Medical College, Mass Mutual, Lockheed Martin, Avenod, Daimler Trucks North America, and Sony Pictures Entertainment. Now, let's go straight to the program. Welcome back. Our next guest began his career in Singapore before coming to the United States. He is the co-publisher of several papers in the area of cross-cultural career dialogues and is very adept in the art of firmly holding his beliefs while being open to the beliefs and ideas held by others. In this interview, he is going to share his approach for creating high-value partnerships between L&D leaders and ERG leaders. Hello, I'm Kimeng Yo. I'm previously the Vice President for Global Talent Development at Amway. Kimeng, welcome to ERG Power Talk. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing now. Right now, I'm teaching a international HR class at uh, Grand Valley State University here in Michigan, and at the same time also working with another local university, uh, Davenport University, on global mindset issues. And like most people who teach in the U.S., I am also uh, doing some talent development consulting projects as well as some executive coaching uh, projects. That's great, Kim Ang. So tell me, what was your journey in your career? What's been your path? Most of my career have been spent in the HR area. And, and even though I did run a consulting business when I was still in Singapore, it's still very much in the HR area. And, and for the last, I would say, half of my career, it's largely focused and specialized in kind of broadly the learning development, talent development area, which for us means um, 
of course, learning and development, but also encompasses uh, performance management, leadership succession and development, expert management, employee engagement. The other quick thing I'll just, I guess, mention about my career is that when I was at Johnson Johnson before coming to Amway, um, I had an opportunity to conceptualize and actually create Johnson & Johnson's um, first global corporate university. It, it's a, it was a virtual corporate university. Um, and, and part of the reason I'm proud of it is that um, it's actually an accomplishment that's been published by McGraw-Hill as an international business case study. That's great. And as I recall, your students weren't just in one location, were they? So the, the students were actually all over the world. Um, and, and as those who are familiar with Johnson & Johnson will pro probably know that it's a company that is hugely decentralized. Broadly, the company is classifying the three broad businesses of consumer products, which is what most people know, uh, pharmaceuticals and uh, devices. Because it's so decentralized, there was a conscious effort um, at the senior leadership level to let the operating companies be independent, which of course, from a learning standpoint, sets up an interesting challenge of how do you bring all the different learning pieces together? And there was a chief talent officer at that point who had this dream of um, trying to connect all the learning pieces in a way that doesn't impinge on the decentralized um, way that the company operates. I brought up a, an idea of uh, what I've now been calling federated learning. The way I went at it, which is the structure of the corporate university, was to say, each one of you have great practices in learning. Keep doing what you're doing. We're not even going to tell you how to do learning. But what we want to do is help provide a platform to connect all of you together. And remember, this is back, uh, what, early 2000s when all the social learning things were not yet quite involved. Um, we went down the path of, you could say, kind of a, in, in today's terms, probably called a social learning approach. Basically, it was how do you control learning in a decentralized organization without controlling. That's uh, quite a career and quite a tough challenge. So now let's turn our attention to how you first came into contact with and into partnership with ERGs. Okay, so I'm going to tell a little story of about how I actually got started with ERGs. I was still in Singapore. I had responsibilities for Asia Pacific. Um, I worked for the head of HR for Asia Pacific. One day I was at the coffee pot and he comes right up to me and he goes, Kimeng, I know we've just agreed on your objectives for the year, but I need you to do one more thing and then add it to your objective. And so I was fairly early in my career. I go, yeah, sure, boss. What do you want? And he goes, well, I, I need you to create a diversity initiative across Asia Pacific. I'm a good employee. Uh, I said, sure, boss. I'll Added to my objectives. And I guess for 
maybe friendship reason instead of hooking back up with the corporate diversity organization which is how you know standard practice what have you do to try and find out what corporate's doing and see how you can adapt it to your region um i actually didn't go to the diversity organization i i did have a friends um particularly and i you know two people come to mind one was very involved in the women's leadership um group in the and this is all of course us on the us side um and the other one was very involved with the african american group um, and and they were kind of friends and people that i i go back and forth with so i actually went to them and and started talking with them about hey what do you guys do long story short is i connected with the two of them and as i continued the conversations i i found that they actually brought to me perspectives that i probably wouldn't have thought of or seen um as to what they were trying to do and 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 bring to the organization and and the values um and and then of course that drove me down kind of how do i bring that back into asia pacific so it sounds kimeng like it was just a chance event that brought you to those ergs as opposed to the diversity officer for the organization but some of your colleagues are not that open to working with the ergs why is that my learning and development peers and 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 partners Sometimes there is a view that hey ERGs are so steep in their own perspective they lose sight of kind of the broader organizational piece and then one of the things that I often push back is that hey if ERGs do not push their unique perspective then what's the value of their existence i mean if they only take a holistic perspective um the the CEO's office already does that Got it. So you want to engage with these ERGs because you want their unique perspective. But I've also heard you warn about them not going too far and becoming adamant and immovable. How do you put that? Don't go off the rails, which of course in bringing that valuable perspective, you know, it's very easy for them to go off the rails as well and that's where i think some of the perceived conflict and sometimes actual conflict happens got it so kimeng how do you advise erg leaders as well as learning and development leaders to maintain some kind of balance so the approach that i i guess i have always taken is called holding the tension um and and the tension is needed because as i said earlier on obviously the the ERGs bring great perspectives from their memberships unique standpoints and and it's a perspective that doesn't always come naturally for others that may not live live and breathe in in that world um but again as they do that they can easily fall off the rail and and this is where you know CEOs of the diversity officers and 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 groups like mine in in the whole learning and development space try and bring the organizational perspective but you want to do that without kind of losing the tension and and I think the trick 
is this thing called holding the tangent, bringing that balance into the the fall. So, Kimang, that sounds fascinating. This whole idea of bringing forward this balance through this approach. Where did you come up with that concept? This whole the tangent thing that I've always used. <laughs> Actually, comes from back when I used to have actually great chats with this old monk, this old Buddhist monk. My my grandmother used to go to this Buddhist uh, monk. I would say it's, it's actually a monastery. Um, back when I was in Singapore growing up, and and I got to know this monk that, um, you know, and we've had great discussions. What I've done is take a lot of what he was he and I have talked about, and and. A, from an organizational application, kind of consolidated into a four-stage process. Firstly, you've got to be present. Uh, in other words, you, you've got to be conscious. For me, the being present is about being conscious about the perspectives that you bring and in what perspectives that you bring, which leads me to the next one about paying attention to what has meaning for you and. And a lot of times when I get into this process, I, I get people to tell stories. Now, not work episode stories. Um, I actually get people to talk about fairy tales and myths. Um, you know, things like um, the the Grimm Brothers' Handless Maiden, which is actually a great story for women's leadership groups, and and using some of the Arthurian myths because they they. They do a lot. A lot of times when we tell work episode stories, I know I told some stories early on, but they, they're great to hear. But at the end of the day, what do they mean? So, so it, I think this, by bringing in sort of fairy tales, it allows you to anchor on what has meaning to you, which lets you do the next piece that I call tell the truth without blaming. And, and this is why we can get into dialogues. Um, because in many times, the truth, telling the truth, and, and, and we use phrases like, well, we've got to tell the truth to power. Because I, I think the perspective of tell the truth to power oftentimes means I have the truth, I tell the truth, implying that you're not telling the truth. And, and it gets into this right and wrong thing. Um, it's not about right and wrong. It's, it's about the dialogue, the mentoring, the versatility. And then finally, it's about how do you be, know your bringing everything else together you know, being open to your outcomes, but don't be attached to very particular outcomes, which, you know, that discussion leads into trust, into flexibility, into what I term actually a learning attitude. Being open to learning, being open, and then I would say that to both the ERG leaders and to the learning and development people that, look, be open Yes, know where you are coming from, which goes back to my start about being present. Um, but don't be overly attached. Okay, the attachment piece, okay, I know comes from my discussion with my monk friend. That's great, Kimang. So what you're saying is be present, know what you want, be open to the other person's position, be open to learning. That's fantastic. Give me an example of what that looks like when you put it into practice. Uh, one of the first stories that come to mind relates to one of my, my favorite talent development areas, performance management, which of course everybody loves. Um, 
and and I was in an organization that had I would say a performance management process that often gets mistaken as the um, one of those cruel um, what what do they used to call Jack Welch's um, approach or when when you lop off you keep lopping off the bottom. Yeah, I think it was supposed to be top grading, but it was also affectionately called bottom scraping. Yeah, something like that. You keep whacking off, and of course people are saying, well, but if you keep whacking off the bottom, I mean, at some point you're going to start whacking off the good people as well. And and there was a whole, I, I would call it misperception that that was the performance management process. And there was all these grumbles. And, and this is where I think the partnership uh, brings great value to kind of the organization as a whole. Um, some of the, the grumbles started coming from my partnership or my team's partnership with some of the ERGs, some of course each bringing their own perspectives. Um, and, and I would say it, it allowed, the different perspectives finally allow us to actually have convers- appropriate conversations. And in, in the performance management case, I actually uh, give a lot of credit to my boss at that point, who was the CHRO, um, where she finally said, look, I, I hear all the grumbles from the different perspectives, um, but we need to bring them all together. And, and they need to hear kind of the broader perspective. And then to her credit, she started having um, with actually my team's um, help in, in organizing the facilitation, open conversations with ERG leaders. It, it kind of allowed at the end of the day, the leaders to not so much get their perspectives resolved because they will remember coming at it obviously from their members' perspectives. But for them to actually, and then for my boss and then the HR organization as a whole, to reach the, the mindset of, if I push this perspective, here's what I lose in terms of what we're trying to achieve with performance management. Um, and, and yet, if we don't, here's what we will wrap the organization and in fact, go against what we're trying to do. So anyway, I, I think that, that, Partnership with the ERG leaders allow a more, I would say, balanced approach towards performance management at the end of the day. Um, and, and it allows not just the, the ERGs to accept HR perspective, but it allows us to actually modify some of the things that we were doing that we were not quite aware was having particular impacts on the organization. Got it. You know, as I'm listening to it, it sounds like what you had was a mutual socialization process. You both got somewhat modified through that interaction. Exactly. And and I, I love that the way you've described it, Joe, because that socialization isn't just, you know, a lot of times when we talk about, oh, let's leverage the ERG leaders to socialize, sometimes we we get the misperception, oh, that socialization is just the organization communicating the organizational perspective. And I, I would say, no, it's also a chance for the organization to actually hear what 
is going on on the ground and then the perspectives rightly or wrongly that is coming up from the ground so to your point i i think that's what also build the credibility of the erg leaders because they're not kind of in quote stooges of the organization because they do push back uh, but once they get it because they're not pushing back they have the credibility to go back and say hey we maybe should kind of look at it this way and look at some of the adjustments that's being made and then here's and then more importantly here's why those adjustments are being made rather than getting an announcement from hr to say hey we're making these adjustments which which often lands up as yeah you are but that's not enough yeah that's great so can you give me another example yeah well the, the other one is kind of you know in a somewhat similar vein um we we had i think in my, my view a, a great succession uh, executive succession and, and top talent process and, and i use the word top talent meaning it's one of those high potential identification and high potential development which very easily degenerates I, I, you know having being a part of the creation and the running of the teams that run those processes. Obviously, we've got all the backgrounds as to why we're doing certain things and we're doing great things in developing these people for the organization because the perspective that run down into the organization is, yeah, that's just helping the good old boys networking type stuff, which is understandable and, and very similar to the performance management piece was... Um, kind of creating that dialogue, the exposure, the education. But I, I think, so So on the one hand, it's very similar to my performance management experience, but I think the other part of that dialogue and, and conversation with succession and performance management and top talent, because it deals with the development of future leaders in the organization, I think allow us to actually push some of the tools that we generally only provide to, you know, kind of the high potentials for us to actually be able to work with the ERG uh, leaders with those tools. So, so again, it's, it's, a, it's a mutual beneficial thing versus a, hey, I just want, and, and I think that's been part of the issue sometimes with ERGs in organization is that they get seen by people like myself in learning and development as another channel for us to push through our thinking. But so I, I, I like to believe, and then I think it is true in conversations I've had that learning and development leaders are probably already working with ERGs, but as I, I guess I hinted at earlier, that most of them are probably doing the, again, in quotes, physical thing of approaching them and talking with them. But I think the challenge that I would give to my learning and development colleagues is think about how do you really, and I underline the word really, how do you really partner with the ERGs? And, and I think one way to really partner is basically have an anchoring approach. I mean, I, I talked a little bit just now about my whole philosophy about holding the tension. Um, have an anchor that you can work with the ERGs that help bring, help them to also talk with you and, and not and, and this is I, I think for me a strong caution of um, don't just look at ERG leaders as another 
communications channel. And, and I think the other thing that um, oftentimes we ask the ERGs to bring value to us, um, I, I think we need to bring value to them. And as L&D, as talent development uh, professionals, we've got a ton of toolkits that, that I think they can leverage. And, and I think a lot, of, at least in my experience, a lot of times when um, we bring toolkits to them, um, they're very appreciative, and by working with them in a true partnership way, it also allows us to keep some of our processes actually consistent and and have them understand why process is being done in a particular way because by addressing the why with them, it kind of allows them to either push back or reinforce, and, and then it becomes, I think, a true partnership. Those are all great insights, Kimang. So what's the first thing that you would advise ERG leaders to do to prepare themselves before they engage in relationships with learning and development? The first thing I would say as they approach learning and development teams and, and all that is do not, I would say, do not lose your unique perspective because that's the value I think that they bring. I said earlier on that, you know, many organizations that have ERGs already have a diversity office. And I think the diversity office brings that organizational perspective. And, and I think the value ERG brings is it's their unique perspective. Um, but because they do bring a unique perspective um, they need to again I, I know I know it's, it's a buzzword that I love but again they, this is where their ability to hold attention because if they if they don't then you know I, I, I said that it's very easy for ERGs to go off the rails which means you know at best they bring a you know you could say a totally biased perspective at worst they actually become they, they actually set up adversarial relationships. And, and yet, if they are too holistic and organizational, then I would say, I, I know it's not quite mainstream, but if they are too concerned about stitching all the pieces to the organization, then what value do you actually bring? I would say to both sides, do not lose that perspective. Because if you start mixing everything together and be everything's good, then why do you need different groups? <laughs> More great advice. And again, very insightful. So, Kimeng, if people want to reach you to learn more, how do they find you? They can go to Global MVR. So it's one word, Global uh, Mike Victor Romeo, you know, one word, globalmvr.com. Uh, and they can email me at kmyeo at globalmvr.com. I will leave what MVR means as a mystery. I can tell you it is not mechanical vapor recompression or motor vehicle report, which is what you'll get if you try and Google MVR. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Thank you for joining ERG Power Talk today, Kimeng. Thank you, George. And now let's turn our attention to our last guest. She is a highly energetic global organizational transformation leader that helps her company's clients with everything from culture to employee development. She is a recognized leader in HR, training, and learning 
that values working with ERGs and knows how to create win-win relationships with them. I'm Dr. Susan Hanold, the Vice President of Strategic Advisory Services with the ADP. Susan, welcome to ERG Power Talk. You know, Susan, you are probably one of the most zealously energetic people that I've ever met when it comes to the topic of learning and developing others. Tell us where that energy comes from. So a little special note about my career path is that my education really was my foundation and how I got into learning and development. So I love it so much. I got three degrees in it. So I have an instructional design degree, uh, bachelor's, master's, and doctorate. So you can tell I have a passion for this topic. Yes, absolutely. So tell us a little bit about what you're doing right now at ADP. My current role is a group called Strategic Advisory Services. And I work with our ADP clients to help them build out their HR strategy. So my role is a subject matter expert that provides strategic advice to our clients to help them build out their business objectives and needs. So I do a lot of traveling. I do a lot of work talking to CLOs, CHROs as an advisor and a consultant. So Susan, how do ERGs, BRGs at ADP benefit you? Well, I, I see the benefits are limitless. So for me as a member as of several ADP uh, BRGs, it gives me the opportunity as a member to pilot tests, get in early on on programs. So I just piloted a mentoring um, app that we were testing. That's great. It keeps your finger on the pulse of all these new developments. And you also mentioned how these network groups kept you well connected to all parts of your global organization. Say more about that. One of the exciting things that has helped me right now in our uh, WebEx teams, we have several groups set up. And every morning I see them pinging me Oh, like, hey, what's going on? And oh, can I help you with this? And because we're global, man, the network has been a fantastic and wonderful resource. So I go out there and post a question to the group right now. And I said, hey, I'm going to do this webinar next week on hiring, you know, right now. What feedback do you have? And the group will just post stuff out. And the wealth of information I get, the viewpoint to me is, is uh, priceless. That's fantastic. And Susan, you also discovered in working with these groups that in many cases they had developed resources that you could use across the company. Tell us a little bit about that. We have a group called, it's our, our Pride group, our BRG for Pride. And I was talking to that leader the other day and she said, well, we've got a YouTube video library of all these videos, uh, educational curriculum basically on the group. And I, and I about passed out being a training leader. I'm like, you got a whole curriculum of videos? This is impressive. When I looked at those YouTube videos, man, I was impressed. They were creative. I was listening to them. They I was like, wow, I, this is fantastic. And I'm thinking, is this in our new hire training? Is this in our management training? I mean, how do I find out about this? Because the content is loaded on the BRG portal. And I really find that my, you know, my advice out there is how does this get built into our broader learning curriculums and into, you know, I find that you get pockets of content all over the company and each group creating their own curriculum before you know it, which is great. You want everything decentralized and you want people to have, you know, and be empowered to create, but it goes back to the point that I think learning leaders are always challenged with is they can't know everything that's going on in the company. But how can they still have um, uh, some sort of co connect connectivity, I guess, to, 
to, to know kind of what's happening at a bigger picture. So Susan, right there, you've zeroed in on one good reason for learning leaders to connect with ERGs and BRGs in their company, and that's access to learning resources that are being developed in pockets around the company. And you've also seen opportunities to spot developing talent as well. Tell us more about that. We have a Generations BRG. I started off with this group from the very infancy, and one of the gentlemen I've been working with for the last couple of years I've just seen him grow from the very beginning of just starting out volunteering to build this community, this group. And now he's like the board leader. And uh, he is, he now, you know, comes to me and says, Susan, I'm going to do this. What do you think? And now we just really have a, um, a lot of respect for each other about, you know, building out this group. And I think there's just a lot of learning um, that can happen uh, and there's a lot of untapped talent at times. So bottom line, Susan, if somebody is a learning leader out there and they're looking for talent for leadership roles at various levels, it might be a good idea to connect with their company ERGs. What about in your work? How have they been useful to you in your work with external clients? As a strategic advisor for ADP, who is trying to help our clients advocate on how do you reduce turnover and engage employees and uh, how this can be a benefit on the bottom line it's been huge yes you actually shared an example with me in connection with one of your clients Susan can you share that with us and what happened in your work with that client two years ago the HRVP and I just started talking about a career paths and she really felt like there was not enough opportunity uh, there were really only two paths for their their core um, positions. And she said, let's just brainstorm, Susan. What can we do? And so we talked through, you know, building curriculum. And, you know, of course, uh, that, so that's one piece of it. And then as she started saying, it's really about the culture of the, the human aspect, the people, the networking, uh, the internal uh, communities that you're building. And... I said, it sounds to me what you're trying to build are these groups, these networking groups. And I told her what we had and kind of the evolution that we've gone on this journey. And before she knew it, she said, Susan, I've already got the, I've got a women in leadership committee. I've got a, um, a generations group that we've started, um, but we're not like, you know, we're not there yet. We're just in infancy. And so I brought in, one of our leaders of our BRG and said, Women in Leadership Committee, and said, hey, why don't y'all two of y'all just connect? And it was like practitioner to practitioner. And I think that was the learning that took place was just them talking and asking each other questions like, how'd you get started? How many people? When I'm talking to uh, CHROs and HR executives, each one of those leaders are in different places. And each one is trying to develop their culture and their talent strategy. And they don't come to me specifically saying, help me build out an ERG strategy. Uh, they may come out to me and say, I have a turnover issue. I'm trying to uh, build my culture. I'm trying to build out my talent strategy, not sure where to go. And many times what I'll do is I'll leverage all our experts. And so I like to bring them in actually to talk to these HR leaders and clients because it gives them, it gives our ERG leaders an opportunity to hear from the field, what's going on in the marketplace. It gives them a chance to network. And it also gives ADP an opportunity to share what they're doing with their ERGs. So 
it's a win-win. That's really great, Susan. So how do you recommend that ERG leaders, BRG leaders that are in organizations listening to this who don't have that relationship with people in the learning space, cultivate that relationship, find the right people to connect with, and then connect with them? So I would recommend going wide on your network within HR. The HR sphere for every company um, can be uh, hard to navigate at times. Titles can be confusing. So I would just schedule one-on-ones and meet with as many folks as you can. I'm not even part of HR, so really go outside of your sphere too to connect with folks that can be advocates for you and help you. Uh, So, you know, an example for me is, even though this is around, you know, how do you partner really with your learning leader, um, ADP has a role, a position called career growth and uh, career development and growth leader. That's a tongue twister. Very long career growth, career development and growth leader. And we do what we call our growth rallies and career movement and talent mobility are really top of mind. And so we would leverage our BR leaders to come in and partner with us and be guest speakers onto those uh, webcasts. I think it's important just to keep going wide because part of these BRGs are to help you grow your careers and people want to hear those success stories. The other recommendation is ask. Ask questions, invite people to participate. Great advice, Susan. And Susan, how can people reach you if they want to hear more, learn more about you and your work? Uh, You can reach me at LinkedIn. And please connect, uh, let's connect and follow me on Twitter at Susan Hanel or Susan.Hanel at ADP.com. Susan, thanks again for joining us today. You're very welcome. So here's some of the key ideas I got out of talking to Meng and Susan. One, L&D and ERGs can be great partners if they can respectfully learn from each other while maintaining their unique perspectives and balance. Two, L&D and ERGs can co-socialize each other and mutually grow in both knowledge and influence within the organization. Three, by partnering with ERGs, L&D can often find hidden leadership talent, new independently developed learning tools, and a trusted channel into the communities that make up the grassroots of the larger organization. Four, in turn, by partnering with L&D, ERG leaders and their members can gain access to new resources, visibility to higher levels of the organization, and opportunities in the company. And finally, five, L&D professionals partnered with ERGs can also bring added value to the company's clients by further reinforcing those relationships by connecting with their peers in their clients' organizations to solve common challenges. There is clearly a lot of opportunity for L&D and ERGs to work together to achieve much more than either could achieve on their own. As the great basketball player, Michael Jordan once observed, talent wins games, but teamwork and intelligence wins championships. My advice is for ERG leaders to make that first move to connect with their L&D teams and start winning more championships. Thank you for tuning in to ERG Power Talk. If you enjoyed and got value out of this program, please like us and leave a favorable review at your podcast provider's site. Also, invite others to listen to the show. 
By the way, contact me if you're looking for an ERG Symposium keynote or a leader for your strategy workshop, new chair onboarding, and or ERG bootcamp. I can run these for you either in person or in a virtual setting. Also, for more great ideas and tips for your ERGs, get my book, Supercharge Your ERGs, 18 Tips to Power Up Your ERG Strategy on Amazon.com. I'm Joe Santana, and thanks again for tuning in.